Hey friends, welcome to Because She Chose. If you're a busy mom desiring consistency and growth in your relationship with God, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Camille McIntyre. In this show, we'll discover practical tips, find helpful resources, and interview amazing women as they share their stories on growing in their relationship with God. Thanks for joining in and listening. Welcome back to Because She Chose, the podcast for you busy mamas with me, your host, Camille McIntyre. I was thinking about the term change of seasons. I had read a book recently and I loved it so much because the author described how so much can change with the different seasons of life. For about 35 years, I've been in leadership alongside my husband in two different ministries. I think back and I'm like, wow. My husband was a youth pastor for 16 years, and we've been the senior pastors of our church, Oasis Church NYC, for 19. After we married, I worked outside the home, and about up until a year after we had our daughter, I was thinking, man, I can't do this much longer. Toddlerhood had arrived, and I knew I really wanted to be a stay-at-home with my children. And when I had my two boys two and three years later, I really wrestled with insecurities as I learned what life really looked like as a young married mama and a wife with three children. And I remember feeling like I was being left behind. Do you feel like that sometimes? I was in a sea of diapers, laundry up to my eyeballs, many sleepless nights. I remember thinking, am I ever going to sleep again? I found myself depressed that my husband was able to go out and minister while I had to stay at home with my three kids. Could you imagine? I always wondered what it would feel like if I had really accepted the motherhood role and embraced it, but I just felt a little bit empty. You know, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved my babies. I loved them, but something I felt was really missing. And as these empty feelings grew, I had an encounter with God. I remember I was at a women's weekend retreat and there was this guest speaker and she was talking about what kind of legacy we wanted to leave. I remember feeling a little bit cynical because I thought, what legacy? How not to lose your mind as a stay-at-home mom? I know that sounds terrible, but that's how I felt. I grew up in an era that glamorized motherhood. It looked so virtuous, self-sacrifice, servitude, humility, all the things that I was not really very good at. And I couldn't help but think, was there more? Something the guest speaker said caught my attention. She said she tried really hard to find fulfillment in her role as a mother. She searched scriptures to learn about biblical women such as Priscilla and Deborah and the Proverbs 31 woman, so virtuous, because they were all supposed to be these strong women of influence in their respective spheres. They were called and anointed by God. And she told stories of other women in leadership roles like pastor's wives, and they were co-leaders as well as being behind the scenes in supportive roles. And this question kept going and running in my mind, and it was this. If you're married, how would you describe your model of marriage? Your model of parenting? You know, would you say your ideal is as a shared responsibility model or Would you say that your ideal is a shared responsibility model, or do you hail from the camps like my generation did? We all grew up with that traditional stay-at-home-with-the-kids model. I don't know. Do you have that in your life? Do you have that shared relationship where you and your husband are sharing the responsibility of raising your children? One of the tips I like to give newlyweds, because my 
background was not one of sharing responsibility. I took it upon myself when we got married and I told my husband, if you're going to be working two and sometimes three jobs to keep our family afloat, I was going to take all that responsibility on myself. I totally said it. He didn't ask. He didn't fight about it, but I just said, I'm going to do it all. I really felt that I needed to be the I do it all mama. So one of the tips that I said I was going to give newlyweds from that perspective was that take a year off from being responsible for anything outside of your spouse and become acquainted with one another. Establish a firm foundation so that when you are ready to have kids and commit to helping maybe in other ministry capacities, maybe besides your job, your husband's job, you will have a great starting point. And the ones that actually take that advice, I see their marriages are pretty strong, great firm foundation to start with. You know, marriage changes the dynamic of who you are as an individual and your roles, especially if you are in leadership, like we were. Career, stay-at-home mom, maybe your husband really should be your ministry and calling first. I know, I'm. maybe I'm hitting below the belt right now. I know it sounds old-fashioned, but you know what? It's biblical. And when you set boundaries and you invest in your relationship, you're protecting it. It's so important. I realized that there should be healthy boundaries back then that I just didn't have. And I had to kind of fumble my way forward and learn how to do that because there are so many demands on our lives as wives and, and moms. There's so much pressure there. It's one of the reasons I talk so much about setting aside time for you, mama. Although your job as a mom and wife are important, you are still an individual. You are still God's daughter, first and foremost. And I realized then that I had no healthy boundaries between family and extended family, friends, ministry responsibilities. I was trying to wear all the hats, was trying to be everything to everyone. And then here I was, crashing and burning while doing it all. I remember my mother being such an example of doing all the things for all the people and not doing anything for herself. She ate long after we did our dinners, cleaning up the kitchen late into the evening, always on her feet. I remember the laundry situation was so overwhelming. We were a family of seven. I would see her pouring over the family finances, balancing the checkbook, stressing out about such things, writing out her never-ending to-do lists. But the one thing that always stood out to me was that she always made time for herself with Jesus. She'd be up early every morning. I've I've talked about this before. She would be reading her Bible, pouring over Bible commentaries and dictionaries, pulling apart the scriptures, journaling in her notebooks. I'd hear her praying and singing to worship music. You know, it didn't dawn on me until later on in life that that was how she survived raising five kids and living with a mentally unstable husband. That was the legacy that she left me. So I thought about what type of legacy I was leaving my kids. (laughs) Let me tell you, I felt tired all the time. I felt a little bit resentful, like I said, and I would be constantly yelling at someone. I was never happy doing all of the housework, even though I said I would do it and I would be responsible for it. I definitely didn't take pleasure in being the mom, nor did I have joy. And it wasn't until I had this moment one night on my living room carpet in the middle, literally the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. I was crying out to Jesus. I was begging him to change my situation when I heard him say, put the TV on. And I felt, man, that's strange. Put the TV on? Thought just popped right into my mind. So I said, you know what? I'm compelled. I'm going to go put it on. 
an infomercial about a Christian singer-songwriter, and his name was Don Moen. It was on. It was just on that channel. I turned the TV on. Could you imagine? I had never even heard of him before, but there was this song that they were talking about that he had written called, God Will Make a Way. Couldn't believe it. God met me there, right in the middle of my living room floor, crying a river of tears because I was so overwhelmed and stuck in my current season of life. I put so much of who I was into being a mother to my children and a wife to my husband that I had lost myself along the way. And God was literally telling me that it would be all right and he would make a way where there just didn't seem to be a way out of that pit of despair that I felt that I was in. I didn't know at the time, but he was coordinating a moment for me also to meet with him at this women's conference that I spoke about. I'm telling you, he let me know that he had me right where he wanted me. There was no fighting what he was doing in my life, and he was trying to teach me in that moment. And as I stopped fighting in that season, I began to take more pleasure in it. He was starting to show me, look, you can have a little bit of joy as you're looking at cleaning up your dishes and doing your laundry and the household duties because you're doing this for a reason. Why? Not because it just needed to be done, but think about what you are showing your children. You are basically teaching them that they should be keeping themselves clean and keeping their things clean and in order. And then I began to cherish those stages that my children were in. I stopped wishing them to be older and more independent. Let me tell you, for a long time, I just couldn't wait for them to be the next stage. And then I started taking time to make memories with them. I would read to them finally and and enjoy it and have more playtime with them. And then I would teach them about Jesus along the way. You know, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I love my kids and it didn't all happen overnight. I still struggle with immediately adjusting to the major changes in my life. Motherhood is hard, but the Lord showed me I could have joy at every stage. You can find some joy in every stage. I had to face the fact that I was angry with my husband for having the freedom that I wanted. Freedom from childcare responsibilities and the ability to have adult time outside with others. So one of the ways I began to be proactive in building our healthy marriage was by blocking out time to date my husband. I became really careful in allowing myself to become too close to other people because I started realizing I was gravitating to other people, other friendships, anyone outside of my spouse, because eventually it could really go too far. I established that my husband was my best friend and it made such a point, a fine point on it, that it was our relationship that I would be finding intimacy that I needed. And if intimacy was waning at home, let me tell you, it could be replaced with something else. Albeit seemingly innocent at first, you might be putting stock in a well-meaning person that cares for you. And I started to make sure that I was not going to let issues grow unchecked between us. I learned how to use tools and resources, and I read marriage books to grow in our faith together. You know, my greatest piece of advice that I always think about is, If you need to have a season of counseling, both separately and together, that might be beneficial. Spending time with older married couples, like being around older couples that are wiser and further along in their walk with God and with each other. I remember having really great mentors that they have built a really great framework on a healthy marriage. It's so good to be around. So these are all really great steps to take in establishing a healthy framework for your marriage when your husband is your priority following him in your relationship with God, everything falls into place, I'm telling you. 
It's been a long haul. It didn't happen overnight, like I said. And I remember being asked this question too. How will you set boundaries for your marriage, invest in your marriage, protect your marriage? How? How are you going to do that? I just told you some things that I started to do because the foundation to living and working together in marriage has got to be one based on love because that's what your children are seeing. When we were at odds all the time, when we were fighting and biting at one another, they saw it all. And we were pastors for goodness sake. We were not perfect by far. And we started to realize our ability to operate and also out of our identity as a love child of God it really does enable you to prefer your spouse above yourself. Listen, I just talked about taking time for you. What I'm talking about is honoring your spouse, honoring your husband in the position that he's in, communicating. You have to learn how to communicate with one another. It's a discipline to maintain. You know, having an environment of honor is so important. It's something that we did not learn for a long time. We were constantly, like I said, at odds. Either I was jealous of him being able to do the things that I wanted to do, and he would look at me and say, well, you have the best of all the worlds. You get to stay home and be taken care of. And I was like, are you kidding? Listen, it's about cooperation and understanding one another and one another's roles. You know, Don't settle for cooperation only too. I mean, God is calling us to unity because it's a lot easier said than done when you have two strong and driven people in a relationship like we are. Our mentors taught us how to talk about our vision for our family, how everything, including jobs and ministry, friends, all, they all flow out of this central vision of absolute unity. It's been a long haul, a long road of hard work at this. But I started to see the blending of our gift set was so powerful and beautiful. It was a beautiful combination. My husband is a teacher and he's a visionary. And I am more of a prophetic leader. So our gift sets really started to complement one another when we started to learn how they should work together in tandem. You know, we also had to learn about those special gift sets because God wanted to use them together, not just singly. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The seasons of life, let me tell you, they change. They are still changing for me. And that may redefine what the family's life and rhythms may look like. You know, you have to sacrifice sometimes. It seems like it's a noble thing to sacrifice, right? And from a distance, it's very noble. But up close and personal, let me tell you, it's pretty painful, especially for the one that's doing the sacrificing. But it's important to be honest about this so that it does breed that resentment that I talked about in your marriage. I'm telling you, it did wonders for me once I started to let go of it. So I want you to realize this motherhood and leadership, they go hand in hand. I want you to consider your influence as a mother on your children. It's clear your role is so important. Fathers are very important, yes, but you are a life-defining, culture-shaping, influential mother, and I hope wife as well. Here's another million-dollar question I was thinking about. How do you make it all work when motherhood is such a large part of your life, all the things, right? I was just saying, I was trying to do all the things, not just be a wife and a mother, but I was also in ministry alongside of my husband and helping him as a youth pastor. And then when we became senior leaders of our, of our church now for the last 19 years now, and I started to realize that there's this notion that you can be good at everything and that needs to be laid to rest. It is a nasty combination, unachievable high standards, 
they're often fueled by the need for perfection, right? You want to seem perfect for the outside world. And then there's this guilt because you can't possibly achieve that level of perfection. I'm sorry, you just can't. I love Joanna Gaines, but let me tell you, I am not her. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I was not called to that. And I'm sure she has a village of people that helps her, right? It's just me. Maybe it's just you right now. Maybe you don't even have a husband. Maybe you're, maybe you're a single mom. But I'm telling you that when you fear that when you're not the perfect mom, then there's comparison and competition and starts to strangle your efforts. And then you're wondering why life feels so hard and you're stretched so thin. Could it be that we've bought into an ideal that has become like this idol that ensnares us? Because in scripture, we see that when God's people started worshiping idols, it never ended well. Superwoman is an unsustainable ideal. It's an idol where women can have it all, just not all at once. There's home, friends, work, church. You know, then you have to put in juggling leisure time, right? It's a lot. You can probably manage to juggle maybe, let's say, three at one given time. So don't beat yourself up if one or two have to go on the back burner for a while. I've heard one leader say, we need to see flexible models of parenting to create space and time to equip and release gifted women into their calling. Because let me tell you, motherhood is a role. A lot of women believe it's a calling. I agree with that. But you may very well, when your children are all grown like mine, you may wake up one day and say, okay, I'm done with motherhood now. When they were children, what do I do? You know, it requires this radical servant. You have to have security in your leadership, especially from men who are married to female leaders. There's a lot of that going on in the world today. A lot of people don't agree with female leaders, but let me tell you, it takes a village, a village to raise one child, much less many. It's like throughout history, humanity has formed itself around this idea of extended family-sized groups. They're made up of people connected either by blood or purely by relationship. And a couple was never really intended in biblical times to raise children alone. We were intended to do it in community. You can see it all through the New Testament, something called oikos. And no, it's not the yogurt. It's this extended household, this idea that's formed to help one another. Man, we don't live that way. We have a nuclear family of husband and a wife and 2.5 kids, right? And a dog. And, you know, this might seem pretty vulnerable when you think about it. You're inviting someone in to help and to support you. And that's something that we have tried to teach. Sometimes we've done it well, sometimes not so well, because it could be a challenge to your pride to say that you need help. There's been this price that I feel we've been paying because we've lived in isolation rather than embracing this village lifestyle. So, you know, I think every successful woman that I've ever seen in any leadership capacity even has done a lot of hard work in their hearts and in their community to be in the position that they're in. It takes keeping yourself well. Last week I talked about knowing yourself, know thyself, make sure that you understand yourself and you're self-aware, you know, from personality profile tests, getting analyzed by maybe a therapist, maybe do whatever it takes to help you discover how you're wired. Because knowing how you are wired and what makes you tick, how you communicate, what upsets you. What happens is you become so busy that you forget to rest. Take care of yourself. Come on, take care of yourself. Because then in the long term, that can limit your capacity to handle all that is on your shoulders. I know I'm speaking from experience. I have to have somebody hold me accountable to Sabbath rest. I want somebody to say to me, listen, you seem really, really out of it. You seem out of 
control. You seem very emotional or you seem down. You seem angry. I remember learning the HALT method. It's where rehab programs and 12-step meetings, they teach that acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And you use it as a tool to remind yourself that, you know what, there are some really common stressors out there that can trigger you. I like to use that. Am I, am I hungry? Am, am, I, am I acting <laughs> because I'm angry about something? I was holding resentment in my life. Am I just lonely right now? I'm not, I haven't opened myself up to friends and, and some great leisure time. Am I tired? Do I need to do a Sabbath rest? You know, these are all things that can really stress you out. I don't know if you realize that modern technology can also distract and drain your energy supply. I'm telling you, I'm doing it myself. I'm trying to limit myself with screen time. What happens when your body is trying to tell you something? Are you ignoring the signs? It's telling you it's time to maybe take a break. I know I do that. I push myself. I push my body so far beyond its limits. And then I crash. You know, I like learning to find good resources. My sphere of influence. I mean, I'm telling you, there's some great sisters out there who have blogs and websites, books, podcasts, and they're all so good to allow your mind to be stretched with their perspectives beyond what you already know. I have so many Christian leadership books I have learned from, and I find that it's such a vital investment of your time and energy. You need to get feedback from those closest to you, those whom you trust implicitly. Some of you may have been waiting for validation for so long that you feel like giving up. I'm telling you, don't give up. It's in our community or in a community you can find yourself in that it should be your goal to be encouraged and empower to turn to Jesus. You really have to learn how to turn to him because he teaches us throughout scripture that you really can do all things through him because he's the one that's strengthening you. He is our ultimate example as the servant leader. He laid down his own life. You know, as you find community, hopefully, I hope you find it here. And because she chose, I hope you meet precious godly women because we're here to empower you to thrive and succeed in your roles as moms and wives. My greatest joy is that we are all about inspiring, influencing, releasing others to be the best that they can be, create space for you to learn how to leave a legacy for your children and your grandchildren. Jesus was focused on one job that God had called him to do. That job that God had called him to do was to love others and to lay down his life. I love that Jesus kept his focus throughout his time here on earth on that. What's your focus? Are you doing what God has called you to do in your sphere of influence? Are you taking your place in his story? Or are you diverted by what others are doing, distracted, allowing comparison to rob you? All you are called to do, mama, is to run the race that God has placed ahead for you. I love the story of Martha and Mary. Huh. Instead of the typical role of helping, Mary is seen sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to every word he says. And that posture was only reserved for male disciples at the time. It was completely inappropriate for her to be there. And here was Martha. You could see her running around like a chicken with her head cut off, busy and upset with all the work that she was doing while Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, we need to work, but we also need to be with Jesus, investing in our relationship with him. Of course, Mary was aware she was adopting a position as a disciple, which was more commonly reserved for men, and yet there she was, and Jesus allowed it. In biblical times, there were young Jewish boys that learned academically from their rabbi, and they followed so closely to, to them so they'd know how to live. 
We need the courage to be the women Jesus calls and commissions us to be wives, moms, also in the workplace so that we can break this conventional idea of what it looks like to be perfect. We need to step into his plan for our lives. I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, it's different. But we need to be brave enough to walk away from expectations and limitations that are holding you back, even the ones maybe you even place on yourself. So sisters, it's really time to rise up. I want you to take the vision and the dreams that God has placed in your heart, in your mind, and be strategic with it. Hone your skills. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality. Your heart for service needs to be one of love, and then you need to go. Jesus said to go and make his love visible to your families, your neighbors, your coworkers. It's our job to be a visible example of the love of Jesus. That's the legacy I want to leave for my family, and I hope you do too. Be blessed, my sisters. Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of Because She Chose. I hope you found some encouragement and help to find time to grow in your faith. Let me know if today's episode resonated with you and send me a message on Instagram at Camille underscore McIntyre or at Because She Chose, also on my Facebook business page, Camille McIntyre. If you are loving what you are hearing, make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode and leave me a review and rating. Until next time, take care.